Let's read this together. Why don't we read this together out loud? And I'm going to ask that we read it a little differently. And by that, I mean let's slow our cadence down in the reading so that it has a chance of going deeper, perhaps. Okay? Let's just slow it down, follow my lead, and I'll try to emphasize specific words on our way through as well. This is the Word of God, Luke 6, 27 to 38 NIV. And this is... But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not hand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But, second time now, love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. When I read these texts, or this text, a couple of times, it didn't take me more than the second time through. I was in my office at home reading through the text. I pushed back from my chair and had a brilliant idea that I want to share with you for a moment. And the brilliant idea is this. You know what? This is really complex. This is at one level. At another level, this is really simple. 
This is also really scarce in our world today. And here's the, here's the big idea. Are you ready? You're going to pay big money for this today. If I had to summarize all these strong and powerful words in one sentence, it would go something like this. You know what? This is simply love everybody always. Amen. Just love everybody always. Now, perhaps it was because I just finished reading a book by Bob Goff entitled... Love does. And then his second book that just came out, Love Everybody Always. So I'm pretty sure I originated it first, but maybe I read it in his book. I can't, I can't quite remember. Love everybody always. Love everybody always. Now, there's a lot going on in this text, but I want to simplify for us today. I want to share three words, three stories, and then a challenge. Is that, is that cool? Three words, three stories, one challenge about how we can all love everybody always. Now, the fascinating thing about this text, as I read it and read it and read it, I want you to think about our cultural context today. More often than not, we enter into the dark side of the text that we read, not forgiving people, not being generous with our money, not being generous with our heart in the way we forgive, judging other people. Those are all actions. Think about it that are unrestrained reactions, right? When someone does you wrong, we react. The gospel in this text is the opposite. These are not things that we react with. These are things that we are rooted and centered in so that we act like this when we're tempted to react the other way. If someone says something or cuts us off or just doesn't connect in the way we like, you can feel it in our body, right? Vroom, the emotions rise. Now, really self-controlled folks, I'm kind of looking at one right now, I, I, I marvel at those kind of folks because they don't react, they act. Other folks have a difficult time in self-control and mindfulness and rootedness like the strength of a tree that's 100 years old. That no matter what the elements throw at it, it may sway in the breeze but it will still, God willing, act like a stable tree that's rooted. The tree will not bend to the elements that are thrown at it. That's the power of this text. The power of this text is these three words I'm going to share with you are not words that we react with. These are words that we always act into when we're tempted to react. That's why this is so simple and really scarce. First word. Forgive. Forgive. Think of a time in your life when you've been done wrong. What was the initial reaction in the mind? And the body. Why that dirty rascal, that scoundrel. Right? Ah, I'm not going to let him get away with this. 
And the good news gospeling like a rooted tree this morning is, hmm, react with forgiveness. Create the open space that allows for forgiveness to permeate communities and neighborhoods without boundaries. In my second book, Slant, I tell a story. I may have told it before, but it's, it's a powerful story that I like. In 1940, there was a gentleman named Jordan Clarence, and he founded, he founded a farm in southern Georgia, uh, and it was the first farm founded on interracial relationships. Now, just let that sink in for a minute. 1940, Georgia, Clarence Jordan, founder of an interracial farm. Let it sink in. And after 14 years of farming the land and being harassed and tormented by locals, one night he awoke to the Klansmen, the KKK, setting fire to all the buildings except the home that he lived in on his farm. And he ran outside to do what he could, and it was too many against too few. And he watched, he watched his farm go up in smoke. And as the Klansmen were maneuvering around and starting the fires and maintaining the fires and making sure that they continued to happen, he recognized a voice of one of the men underneath the hood. And he knew that voice. It was a local <laughs> television and newspaper reporter. The next day... Clarence was out with the rest of the folks that were a part of the farm, and he was in one of the back fields, and he was already tilling the soil and planting new seeds while the other buildings, except the home he lived in, was being, well, they were smoldering still. And this reporter came up to Clarence in his street clothes, and he said, Clarence, I've come today to, and he did this little, with a little smirk on his face, right? I've come to report on the tragic news of your farm burning down last night. This is terrible. Can I get your perspective? And Clarence didn't budge. He just kept digging and planting seeds. The reporter continued to come after him for a quote for something in the story. And the reporter said, Dr. You have two PhDs. You've been at this for 14 years. This is not successful. What do you say? And with that, he stopped. And he put his hand on the shovel, forearm on the shovel, gathered himself, took a handkerchief out of his back pocket and wiped the sweat off of his face, which if the sun was out today, I was fully prepared to do. <laughs> Thanks be to God, it's not. And he said, you know, you don't get it, do you? We're just as successful as the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, we're about love and forgiveness and generosity, and kindness. 
we choose to forgive, to pick up the pieces and move on. Because when we do that, people will stop and stare. The power of acting forgiveness. Now, I don't know about you, but I envision myself in that story because stories like that challenge me, right? 14 years, two PhDs, a progressive concept that the world needs, and this extreme injustice, and a reporter comes to me, and I heard his voice the night before. Well, I don't know what you would do, but I might just react. How about you? Right? I don't know, but I might just react. I'd make sure Chris was in front of me. <laughs> and Ted. And a few others. That's powerful gospel in a world that doesn't stop to think and is constantly prattling on with these reactions. Because the text says twice, love your enemies. Love your enemies? It's kind of fitting that we're outside today because if I had to, to list scriptures that were really hard for me to, to lean into, love your enemies. <laughs> and yet, I love that phrase, and yet, the gospel of Jesus Christ throws love and forgiveness in the face of a world that wants to react and one-up and save face and conquer. So I think we can all <laughs> love everybody always if we really live and act forgiveness. It's so simple, but so scarce. The second word, I think, that comes from the text is generosity. Now, the text mingles two forms of generosity. Generosity with your money, but I think even more important to the context of the text, it's the generosity of heart that is so big that allows unconditional love of enemies and forgiveness. And, and we create this space, not just in an individual soul of, that's open and generous, but a community and a congregation. It's beautiful that we're outside. That actually overflows into the neighborhood, around the world, and into the back door again. It's seamless in that sense. Does that make do you connect? You see the power of this? The role that generosity plays in loving people, loving everybody, always is profound and strong in the text. It's not a curmudgeon-y Scrooge-like reaction. It's a generous posture of a person's heart, a community's heart, a neighborhood's heart, because that's quite simply the way God is. Text tells us that 
that we act this way because that's the way Jesus Christ is. Now, that's a bold ask. I told a, uh, I wrote a story. Sorry, this isn't commercial day for all my stuff. Apparently, it might be. In my first book, Arete, again, um, I want to tell you about a guy named Thomas Monahan. And we all know people and who have shared stories about, over the years, who have had everything and follow, like T.S. Eliot says, hollow men and women. Uh, Thomas Monahan, uh, the founder of Domino's Pizza. Anybody like Domino's Pizza? Don't be afraid here. You're amongst friends. All right. Uh, he founded Domino's Pizza, became extremely wealthy, and listened to what he did not many years later in 1991. He started to sell off many of his prized possessions. He sold three houses designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. What's one house by Wright worth, maybe? 10 million? Yeah, that's just, that's 30 million. 30 deals, one of which was a Bugatti Royale, it was worth 8 million bucks. He stopped construction on a multi-million dollar home, and perhaps my favorite, he sold the Detroit Tigers. He was the owner of the Detroit Tigers. He sold it, and he sold it because it was, it was a source of too much pride in his life. He just started offloading all of his stuff. Something opened and happened in his life where there was this generous space that was created, a, a virtue conversion that led to the selling off of it because God was doing something mighty in his life. And here's what he said. He said, none of these things I've ever bought, and I mean none of them, have ever really made me happy. That's a countercultural action that this text asks us to engage in because we're called to love everybody, always. Third word, ready for it? So we've got first word, remember, forgiveness. Second word, generous, yeah, so we forgive, we're generous. And third word, we're kind. Kindness. Ah. But for a little bit of kindness these days. The God of the Scriptures doesn't ever shun anyone. Hence, love everybody always. The God of the Scriptures never pushes people off into the corner and says, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, and the list is long and large. And the work of Jesus Christ, more often than not, goes directly to those places to capture those folks, right? And brings them back into the center because of forgiveness, because of the generosity of God, and because of the kindness and the mercy that comes from knowing, truly knowing, Jesus Christ.
read a story over the weekend I want to share with you. Homeboy Ministries. Homeboy Ministries, right? Gang Ministry. Uh, Father Boyle in L.A. This is, this is close to home. Homeboy Ministries to the gang members in Los Angeles. If you were to walk into their office on almost any day, in the reception area, it's teeming with gang members. They want to catch a crumb of hope that's falling from the table in the waiting room. They're there getting tattoos removed. They're getting drug tested for an 18-month training program. Maybe they're having an appointment with a therapist. Anger management's really big there. And there's a gang member that no one's ever seen or met before at the main desk. He's kind of making a commotion. Nobody knows who he is. He's waving his soda can filled to the top. And with every gesture and every word, soda is going everywhere. What to do? Do we react or do we act the virtues of the kingdom of God's realm? Think about what your disposition would be as you approached this gang member. He's totally unhinged, and everybody there is a bit shaken because of his activities. Miguel is the head of security, and Miguel has been around for a few years. Miguel, as the story goes, is one of the largest human beings you will ever see. Miguel was tough. Miguel spent 21 years in prison. He was tried in as, a, as an adult, as a juvenile. In his, of his 21 years in prison, he spent five of them in solitary confinement Two years, he never saw the light of day. He was released. God did a miraculous work in his life. And now he is on staff at Homeboy Ministries. One of the toughest fellas, biggest fellas, we'll ever meet. His name was Miguel. And Miguel walked up to the gangster slowly put his arm around him, and he said, why don't we go outside and chat? Now, the gangster that was causing the ruckus was speaking uh, in three or four different personalities and having a conversation with himself all the way through. Miguel was able to get him to go outside because Miguel was Miguel and huge. They got outside, and Miguel said, hey, friend, why don't, why don't we talk about this? And the gangster just lifted up his shirt, showed that he was packing a piece. And Miguel looked at it carefully and looked the gangster in the eyes carefully to see what the next move would be. And Miguel said, why don't we go get some tacos? The guy put his shirt back down. And started mumbling to himself as they started walking down the street. You should shoot him. No, don't shoot him. He's a good guy. He's going to buy you tacos. They stopped. Miguel looked at him again. The guy flashed his gun one more time. Miguel stared him down and he simply said, Hey, buddy, do you want two or three tacos? Shirt went back down. 
And this conversation continued. They got to the taco store, and Miguel did what he said he was going to do. He bought him three tacos. The first taco was taken by one of the personalities that was very angry, and he immediately threw it on the floor and stepped on it. And then one of the other personalities gobbled up the other two tacos like he was a ravenous wolf. He de-escalated the situation with kindness. Total and complete kindness in the face of what many would say the proper reaction would be to take the guy down if it could in fact even be done. Now again, I'm not sure how you would have reacted in that situation. I think I would have had the Placentia Police Department on speed dial. But you have to wonder. Because the upside down, right side up world that Jesus is talking about, outside on a level plane to people that actually might want to listen to him, he said, be loving to everyone. Forgive always. Be generous in heart, spirit, mind, and pocketbook. And always be merciful. Always be kind. Because that's the way God is. The world needs people like Miguel who ventilate the rage, the anger, the snark, the reaction, the sarcasm, the resentments of the world and trades it all in for some good old-fashioned kindness. Just be kind. Be nice. It's so simple and so scarce. Now, the powerful aspect of this story is if that's all not powerful enough, right? Is that powerful? I mean, are these some countercultural stories? that means something in a world today that reacts versus a centered and rooted action from a value place that's driven by the realm of God, the juxtaposition of two dueling worlds is profoundly on display every single day. When people actually live like this, people stop and stare. People will literally stop and stare. Wherever Jesus went, his reputation preceded him, and more people came. Why? Because people were stopping and staring. This is stuff 
that was so simple yet so scarce. And people were voyeurs. They wanted to see if this thing was for real. They were just walking down the street and they saw these amazing things and they migrated over and they stopped and they stared. We had an incident like that right here this morning and you're going to love it. I'm going to tell you about it. Before any of us got here, except the band and everybody that was working super hard to make everything happen. What time does the sun come up, by the way? Just kidding. That was comedy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Tip the jar right there. They were rehearsing. Right here, they were rehearsing. All of a sudden, there was, there was a guy jogging on the sidewalk. You could spot him. He stopped, looked through the courtyard down this way, and made his way here and sat down right there. True story. Sat down right there. Just listened to a couple of songs. Because I'm sure it was awesome. Soaked it in. Stopped and stared. A conversation a little later ensued, and he was out jogging, just doing his thing, and turns out he's a worship leader in Whittier. He made comments like, this was really good for my soul. I'm really glad you guys are doing this. You know why? Music pushes back all of the reactionary chaos of the world today and creates space in the heart of a person and a community to actually hear the word of God so that it becomes established and rooted and full-blown like a mighty oak tree. When the people of God actually live like this, friends, the world will stop and stare. So that's, here's my challenge, ready? Is there somebody in your life right now that's a thorn in your side? You got a thorn in your side right now? Or a pebble in your shoe? You know those nasty pebbles in the shoe? How'd that get in there? It's ridiculous. Who's that person in your life? Got it? What would you like that person to do for you that's forgiving, that's generous, and that's kind? Got any ideas? What would you like that person to do for you around forgiveness or generosity or just old-fashioned kindness? Got it? Here comes the stop and stare moment. Here comes the hard part. Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you want this challenge? Apparently not. <laughs> do you want a challenge? Do you want this? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Whoever is your enemy, whoever is your nemesis, whoever is that person that's just driving you crazy, 
Whatever you just imagined them doing for you, I want you, actually, God wants you, to turn it and go do it for them. Be forgiving. Be generous. Be kind. Love everybody always. So simple. So scarce. And yet, people do stop and stare. Let's pray. Totally cool. Birds flying around. Breeze in our face. Marine layer telling us we're not inside and drops of rain drizzle cause us to awaken. See things that have always been there but we may not have seen before. Teach us to act not react. Teach us to love everybody always. Teach us <laughs> to forgive, to be generous, to be kind. So that it draws a crowd. So that it becomes contagious. So that the realm of God that's always been here, can show the world a different way to live again and again and again and again. May it be so. In your strong and holy and rooted name we pray. Amen. So this is going to be as equally fun and meaningful. Quite honestly, this table is about forgiveness, generosity, and the kindness of God. Paul talks in Romans about it is the kindness of God that leads human beings to forgive to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. It's not the anger of God. It's not the wrath of God. It's the, it's the kindness of God that leads folks to repentance because God's generous and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. So it's only right that we should do this at least once a year, maybe more where there's no boundaries by walls for these three great words. Because these three great words are really what this table is all about. Right? So the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave it to them and he said, my body given for you. And after they finished eating, he took the cup 
he poured and he said, this is the blood of my covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins because I am a generous and kind God. And I know you've already stopped to stare, but there's a lot of other people that need the space to stop and stare as they watch your life unfold in at least these three ways. So be nourished by this table. We have gluten-free elements on that table. You can make your way either to this station or to that station. We'll practice intinction. We'll tear off a piece of bread, give it to you. You can dip it in the cup. If you can't make your way to us, raise your hand. We'll come and find you, okay? Uh, the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me pray one more time. And those who are serving, come forward. Loving and holy God. The music cuts through the chaff, the prattle, the reaction. So that these beautiful seeds of forgiveness and generosity and your kindness can lower our heart rate relieve the pressure our shoulders droop because we're a little more relaxed we move from fear to faith may it be so thank you thank you thank you in your son's name we pray amen